Hello, everybody. Welcome back. CCT, episode 29. Again, welcome back. Appreciate everyone for tuning in, stopping in this week. Whether you're, you know, reoccurring fan or new, you know, new to the community, I appreciate the support and the love. My little podcast with the community and his family about college football. Different different opinions. A little college you and college football sometimes. Some of the scores going to individual stats. College football news is ever changing. Followed by some of my picks. That's kind of the rundown of what we normally do here. So as always, thank everyone for tuning in. Jumping into some games from last weekend. We have the Ohio State Buckeyes defeating the Penn State Nittany Lions 44-31. The game was in Happy Valley. Whiteout game, but not a night game. It was an afternoon start there. The Buckeyes improved to 8-0. They're the second-ranked team in the nation. The college football playoff rankings came out this past Tuesday. I'll go into more of that later. Penn State fell to 6-2. They're now ranked 15th in the nation. Going to some stats here. Ohio State at 452 total yards. Penn State 482. Ohio State 354 in the passing game. Penn State 371 in the passing game. Ohio State had 98 rushing yards. Penn State had 111 rushing yards. So you ask you, what was the problem with this game? Turnovers. Ohio State had none. Penn State had four turnovers in the game. Again, negative four in a turnover game. Doesn't really help your cause to win. Going to some stats. Sean Clifford for Penn State was 32 of 42 passing. 32 of 47, excuse me, passing 371 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. He had two interceptions on their first opening drives, which is a tough, tough look. Kind of set them back a little bit. Allen, one of the running backs, had 12 rushes for 76 yards and a touchdown. Washington, one of their wide receivers, had 11 receptions for 179 yards and a touchdown. Jumping over to Ohio State, C.J. Strout was 26 of 33, 354 yards passing and a touchdown. Henderson, the running back, had 16 rushes for 78 yards and two touchdowns. Marvin Harrison Jr., yes, the son of Hall of Fame wide receiver Marvin Harrison, had 10 receptions for 185 yards, was a stud. Their whole passing attack in this game went to him time and time again. Big receiver, very quick and elusive, very soft hands, go up and get the ball. The story to this game was Ohio State's defense. Beginning of the game, Penn State held Ohio State to some field goals. It's close towards the end of the game. And in the fourth quarter, Penn State scored four touchdowns. And the leader for the defense in that game was JT Tumalalo. Again, Samoan descent last name. Sorry if I'm butchering your name. He had probably one of the best stat lines for a defensive player in all of college football history. He had two sacks, two interceptions, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and a touchdown. He also had a pass breakup that led to an interception as well. He was the number two overall player in the 2021 recruiting class, right behind Quinn Ears, who we know is the quarterback of Texas now. But JT, again, Tui Maloal, balled the hell out. This stat line of two sacks, two interceptions, and a touchdown, I believe, has been done since 2006, a player at Kent State. But he also had the forced fumble and the fumble recovery. Also, the pass breakup that led to an interception. So probably one of the best defensive performances ever in a game by a single player. That defense of Ohio State 
showed out and made some big key turnovers that changed the whole game. Again, that big fourth quarter, 28 points there. Shout out to the Buckeyes, big win there. Next, jumping into UCF-Cincy game. The Golden Knights at UCF defeated Cincinnati 25-21, improving to 6-2. They're ranked 25th in the nation. Cincinnati falls to 6-2. UCF at 505 total yards. Cincy 333. UCF had 247 passing yards. Cincy 298. UCF had 256 rushing yards, 35 rushing yards for Cincinnati. Again, I've said it once and twice before. When I've talked about UCF on this podcast, their run defense is stout. They've played great so far this year, stopping that run since he only had 35 total rushing yards. And on the same note, UCF loves the ground and pound that ball, 258 yards rushing. UCF had one turnover. Cincinnati had zero. Going to some stats, Bryant, Cincinnati's quarterback, was 24-45 passing, 298 total yards. He had a touchdown pass as well. Tucker, the wide receiver, had 10 receptions for 110 yards. For UCF, Keen, their quarterback, was 15 to 21, 178, 776, excuse me, passing yards. Harvey, the running back, had 18 rushes for 84 yards and two touchdowns. Bowser, their other running back, 14 rushes for 58 yards and a touchdown. As you may look at the score, say 25-21, it's a little lopsided. Their defense got a safety during the game. As it was close, UCF sacked Cincy's quarterback in the end zone. And they initially ruled it a fumble and they recovered, so it was a touchdown. But then they reviewed it and said he was down, so it counted as a safety for the night. So, again, big plays by their defense coming up strong there. Shout out to the Golden Knights. Last but not least, the Georgia-Florida game. Excuse me, the largest cocktail party. Great tailgate and atmosphere here in Jacksonville. The Dogs handedly defeated the Gators, 42-20. Georgia 8-0 improves to number 3 in the nation. UF falls to 4-4. Four four. The Dogs had 555 total yards. UF 371. The Dogs had 316 passing yards. The Gators 271. And the Dogs had 239 rushing yards. UF had 100 rushing yards. Big stat here that's probably shocking is the turnovers. Georgia had three. UF had zero. Georgia had two interceptions and a forced fumble. Or a fumble, I should say, forced by the Florida defense. Again, this game was a blowout. Kind of discrepancy at half, 28-3. Georgia was up. And then a big third quarter by the Gators to bring it to 28-20. They were down eight, and then Georgia kind of, in the fourth quarter, ran the ball and kind of distorted their dominance and win and grinded out Florida for the rest of the game. Over some stats here for UF. Anthony Richardson, the quarterback, had 18 of 37 passing, 271 yards. He had a touchdown. He also had 11 rushes for 19 yards. Trevor Etienne, Travis Etienne, little brother who plays on the Gators, he had 11 rushes for 53 yards and a touchdown. Henderson, a wide receiver, had five receptions for 110 yards and a touchdown. Switching to the dogs here. Stetson Bennett did not look hot. As I mentioned before, he was 19-38, 316 passing yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. McIntosh and Edwards, their dual threat running attack, had 16 rushes for 90 yards and two touchdowns. That's McIntosh. Edwards had 12 rushes. For 106 yards and two touchdowns. Brock Bowers, the big tight end. One of the most dynamic 
best players in the country, in my opinion, had five catches for 154 yards and a touchdown. Again, the mailman, Stetson Bennett, has looked better this year. Again, junior year was kind of between him and JT Daniels last year, still fighting for the spot. Bennett officially won it, led them to the national championship, and they won. This year, Bennett, again, same MO starter, has looked good. This is the worst game I've seen him in, those two interceptions. And he looked, he forced a lot of passes, um, you know, towards the third, fourth quarter when Georgia could have just been running out the clock on first and second down. He would opt for very risky passes and throw to some, you know, forced coverages, tight coverages. And again, that led to two of the turnovers for him. Now, I'm not saying Georgia can't hack it no more or Bennett's a bum. I think he's good, but I think he's a little overrated. I'm not too impressed with him as I've seen him over the years. But they're still a good team. That running attack, those big hogs, the offensive linemen, move those guys in front of them. Definitely a force to be reckoned with. Again, Brock Bowers is, if not the best wide receiver, one of the best, and he's a tight end technically, but he's one of the best offensive players, if not overall players in the whole country. Man's elite. So big win for the Dogs over the Gators. Now jumping in some more scores with some close dubs and some notable L's. Michigan, the Wolverines, defeated the in-state rival of the Spartans of Michigan State 29-7. Michigan improves to 8-0, ranked 5th in the nation. Michigan State falls to 3-5. Kansas State absolutely beat the brakes off Oklahoma State 48-0. Kansas State improves to 6-2, they're 13th in the nation. Oklahoma State falls to 6-2, ranked 18th in the nation. Charlotte, what a big win over Rice. Charlotte defeated Rice 56-23. Charlotte improves the two and seven. Rice falls to the four and four. TCU, big win over West Virginia. Stay undefeated. The Horn Frogs improve to eight and zero. They're seventh in the nation. West Virginia falls to three and five. TCU defeats West Virginia forty-one and thirty-one. Ole Miss with a big win over Texas A&M at home. The Rebels defeated A&M thirty-one twenty-eight. Ole Miss is eight and one. They improved to 11th in the nation. Texas A&M falls to 3-5. Last but not least, Jackson State, where game day was last week, defeated Southern 35-0. They're 8-0. Southern falls to 5-3. And, and now into the wild world of college football. Lots of news today, lots of stuff to go into, so I'll jump right in right now. We have... Following up on that Texas A&M loss to Ole Miss, we have trouble in paradise in College Station. Three Texas A&M freshman players, two five-stars, one four-star, has been suspended indefinitely from the program for smoking pot in the locker room. Again, marijuana is legal in some states, recreational and medically. In New York, I know it's both. Florida, I believe it's just medically. Texas, I do not know what the, the laws are. But under the federal government... I think it's Class A or whatever it is. It's still a federal crime to possess marijuana and other drugs. So I don't know what they're doing in Texas or what these players are thinking. But it's NCAA, college campuses, all these universities, institutions definitely do not approve of that. So that is two five-stars and a four-star suspended indefinitely from the program. A five-star Dean Lyman was suspended even though he medically retired months ago. A lot of dis and misinformation and communication with the players in this organization right now. Five-star running back quit the team. 
a five-star D-back, was told by the Aggies he's not welcome back. Five-star defensive lineman. Very unhappy with the situation. He's waiting to see how the season turns out. And he's looking for the transfer portal because Texas A&M would not approve his red shirt this year. So we go over some numbers here. That is two, three, four, five, six. That's six five-star recruits and one four-star recruit. They're either suspended definitely from the program, left, quit, or wanted to transfer out. Again, that is a horrible look for Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies. After having one of the best recruiting classes in the country last year, statistically one of the best ever in history, you know, above Alabama last year, Georgia, Ohio State, they had the number one recruiting class, and now six of those five stars, six of them, are packing it up, packing it in, or been suspended, are gone. They want to get out. It sounds like a horrible culture problem, leadership, and discipline going on with that team. Jimbo, you need to get your head on straight and figure shit out over there because, again, Everyone was hyping up AM past couple years. They've had good runs, but they're just not a little bit to the hype. Again, especially after that recruiting class, too. Everyone was gung ho with Texas AM. More trouble here. In the past eight consecutive games against Power Five opponents, Texas AM has not hit 25 points offensively. Again, like I've said it multiple times, Texas AM offense is very archaic, a caveman beat a dinosaur on a wheel route. That plays better than what Texas A&M runs. Honestly, a kid playing Madden could create a better offense than what Texas A&M runs. That's eight straight games against Power 5 teams. You can't score at least 25 points. That is atrocious, especially with the talent they have there. Another crazy stat. In their last seven SEC games, Texas A&M is 1-6. That is the worst stretch in 50 years at the university. In 1970... The Aggies had a worse record in the old, non-existent anymore, Southwest Conference. So again, the Aggies need to get their stuff together. Trouble in paradise. Six five-stars, one four-star. Either suspended from the team, gone, want to quit, transfer out, whatever it may be. All these offense can't get stuff going. You need a play caller, Jimbo. You need to get a play caller, open up the offense. You need to get you know a culture a discipline within that locker room and for that team and create an identity for those players because right now it seems like everything's out the window after the big win against texas a&m lane kiffin stirred the pot a little bit again nick saban and jimbo fisher got into the big spat into the offseason about saban saying texas a&m paid for all there's great recruiting class jimbo fisher fired back and attacked saban instead of you know He's just angry when he doesn't get his way. Look how God did his work. And, you know, we make him up to be this God of college football, and he did stuff dirty, et cetera, et cetera. Or call the, you know, people he worked with clowns, et cetera. So Lane Kiffin did not like that, took that out last week, fought back against it. And after the win, an interviewer interviewed him, the reporter, and said, Hey, Lane, what are you dressed up for Halloween? He said, I don't know. I might ask Jimbo for a clown costume for me. Again, that's the jab back at Jimbo for calling Nick Saban and other coaches he coached with clowns. So we got the last laugh there. Switching gears here. Put out, you know, very remorseful talk about here, but unfortunate. Legendary Georgia coach Vince Dooley passed away last Friday, I believe, or Thursday, or actually Saturday morning. He was 90 years old, 90 years young, I should say. 
He is most famous for winning the 1980 National Championship with the Dogs, their last one before they won last year. That was with Herschel Walker and the boys. He also won six SEC championships, and he's the winningest coach in Georgia history. Again, very well-respected, well-spoken coach. A lot of other prominent coaches came out and said great words about him. Said it was a pleasure to be around. Taught many coaches a lot of information. Was just a great role model and outstanding person. So my condolences to the Dooley family. God bless Vince and rest easy. Next, keeping up with the Georgia here, Bo Nix, as we know, former Auburn quarterback transfer to Oregon. They played Georgia at the beginning of the season and got whopped 48-3. And a reporter asked, Bo, you know, if you think Oregon would play Georgia again, you think you could win? And he said, I do. From the first game of the season, a lot of teams get so much better. So Bo Nix is, I believe, 0-5, 0-6 against Georgia in his career, dating back to Auburn and this year. If they were to play each other again, whether it be in the playoff, I really don't know if that would happen, or a bowl game potentially this year, I still don't think Oregon would win. Um, again, I think they got Bo Nix's number, or he just gets razzled against them. Oregon has gotten better, though. They just beat UCLA last week. Big win over the only undefeated team in the Pac-12. But I still think Georgia would win. I think it would be maybe a little closer, but the dogs would definitely come out on top. So Bo Nix, I think you're dreaming, buddy. Little NIL deal here. Brock Bowers, again. Elite tight end talent for Georgia, one of the best players in the country. He signed the Billboard NIL deal with personal injury attorney law firm, Morgan & Morgan, all big throughout the South and Southeast. And on the sign, it shows him in his jersey flexing his muscles, and the slogan says, Size Matters. So shout out to Brock Bowers there, Size Matters, with the gun show out there. Interpret it as you will. Bad news for the Gators here. Bretton Cox Jr. was dismissed from the University of Florida. He was a 2018 five-star recruit. Ed rusher for the Gators. In his career at UF, he had 137 career tackles and 15 and a half sacks for the Gators. Big loss there on the edge. Another loss. Georgia losing their best defensive player, leader of that team, Nolan Smith, is done for the year. He just had surgery to repair his torn pectoral muscle. Happened in the game against the Gators this past weekend. Nolan Smith was an integral part of that dog historic defense last year. Again, one of the best defensive players in the nation. Hard hitting, good coverage, great leader on the field. So that's a big loss for the dog, especially with this big game against Tennessee this weekend. He'll probably rest up. I wish him a you know, healthy and speedy recovery. Get ready for the draft. He'll definitely be playing on Sundays real soon. Now into the most pressing topic, probably of last weekend. After the Michigan State-Michigan game, in the tunnel of the big house. And by the way, this isn't the first problem with the tunnel of the big house. I'll get to it later. But a Michigan player, Jermon Green, was assaulted. Assaulted in the tunnel after the game by Michigan State players. He was beaten with a helmet. And the head, the body, the legs. Videos have come out. He's thrown up against the wall. Players kicking, punching, swinging at him. It's very disgraceful. It is actually disgusting to see. If you unfortunately you have to see it. It is unacceptable for the sport. Unacceptable for both the universities. And this is not what college football is about. You know, playing the sport of football. Probably one of the most physical sports out there. 
and you get to beat the hell out of each other on the field for 60 minutes. I saw a quote that says, you can put your hands on each other all you want for 60 minutes on the field. And then this had to transpire down in the tunnel by the locker rooms. It's just disgusting. And it sickens me that I have to talk about this, but unfortunately it happened. Again, even if you smack somebody's helmet on the field and get into a tussle, it's a flag, maybe you get thrown out of the game. But this is this is just unacceptable. From And I don't, again, I don't believe Jermon Green instigated the Michigan player. I don't believe he instigated. I don't know the full story. But those Michigan State players need to be held accountable. Um, a police investigation is being filed and looked into. Harbaugh came out the other day, a press conference. He kind of echoed what I just said. He said it was very sickening, egregious. He believes there should be serious consequences for the players involved. You know, as a parent and as a coach, you know, parents put their, their trust and their faith in the coach to protect their players and be in this great, you know, respectable society and act like gentlemen or at least tolerate each other and not beat the hell out of each other like animals. So, it's again very disgraceful. Michigan State recently came out and suspended four players indefinitely from the team. Um, I think more importantly, which is great, is uh, Jermon Green's family has come out and they plan the press charges against those involved, which is, again, serious consequences need to happen, whether it's from the NCAA, you never play football again. Again, criminal charges. I think these players are actually going to be charged criminally for assault. I really do. If you watch the video, it's blatant. It's utter chaos, and it's unacceptable. Again, this is the first problem at the big house with altercations in the tunnel. I believe it was the Penn State game earlier in the year or last year against Ohio State for that big game at the end of the year. There was also some type of altercation or jawing or pushing and shoving in the tunnel. Again, I don't know what happens at the big house, but they need to figure out their tunnel situation because you can't have teams going in and out right next to each other Especially big rivalry games. It's just, you know, like a powder peg. A powder keg, excuse me, waiting for a match to blow up. So whatever the logistics is in Big House, they need to figure that shit out. Because that ain't it. That ain't it, Chief. Whatever they got going on. Again, no excuse for what occurred. But definitely that might need to change going forward. And again, transitioning here, unfortunately, again, had to go into that a little bit. But it's just unacceptable and sickening that that occurred. Wake Forest University had eight turnovers this week in their loss to Louisville. Fortunate for Paige, the head Demon Deacon, and all the Demon Deacon fans out there. But this is back-to-back weeks that an ACC team has had eight turnovers. Miami had it last week, the U. Again, they're not back, by the way. But before Miami did it last week and Wake Forest this week, no team has had eight turnovers in a game since 2009. So it's kind of crazy. Two ACC teams back-to-back weeks. We still love you, Demon Deacons, in the U. But um, noteworthy stat there, I must say. Alrighty, Rue. Like I mentioned before, college football playoff rankings came out Tuesday night around like 7, 7.30. And this is the first playoff rankings of the year. Again, is important. If you want to see where you stack up, if you're in striking distance of the playoffs, the top four, maybe a New Year's Six Bowl game. But at the same time, these rankings aren't end-all, be-all. Because at the end of the day, all that matters is what happens after championship Saturday and Sunday in December. That's when you make or break for the playoffs. Obviously, you need to be in striking distance now. But 
a lot of things will change. For example, I believe the first or second year they had the playoffs, or one of the years, maybe it was 2016 or something like that. Mississippi State and Ole Miss were in the top four. Did either of those teams make the playoff that year? Hell no. Hell no. But it just goes to show you that just because something happens the first week doesn't mean it's going to happen and finish out the season like that, especially with teams in the top 10 having to play each other later on throughout the season. So I'll go through the rankings real quick, and I'll give give some of my thoughts. Number one, Tennessee. Two, Ohio State. Three, Georgia. Four, Clemson. Five, Michigan. Six, Alabama. Seven, TCU. Eight, Oregon. Nine, Southern Cal, the real USC. Ten, LSU. Eleven, Old Miss. Twelve, UCLA. Thirteen, Kansas State. Fourteen, Utah. Fifteen, Penn State. Sixteen, Illinois. Seventeen, UNC. Eighteen, Oklahoma State. 19 Tulane, 20 Syracuse, 21 Wake Forest, 22 NC State, 23 Oregon State, 24 Texas, and 25 UCF. Alrighty. Now let's talk about some potential playoff scenarios. Those top four, you have one versus three Georgia, Tennessee this weekend. So obviously the top three, top four is going to change. Ohio State has to play number five Michigan before the year is up, and Michigan will probably move up if Georgia or Tennessee loses. Obviously, one of the teams have to lose this weekend, so that could be another top four matchup. Clemson has gotten through their hard stretch of games. Again, they've looked decent this year. They've struggled. Close games against Wake Forest, Syracuse, and NC State. They have Notre Dame this week. After that, it's kind of smooth sailing. So again, Clemson kind of got out of the thick of their schedule. DJ Ukulele or DJ Uyangale, has looked not too shabby this year. Honestly, he's looked okay. You know, very shaky at points. Kate Klubnik, the backup, has come in. Five-star looked pretty good. Might see more of him going forward. Then the next couple teams, again, Michigan has to play Ohio State last game of the year. That'll decide the Big Ten who gets in. Alabama has some tough games coming up. LSU this weekend, then Ole Miss. But they control their own destiny. If they win the SEC championship, whether that's versus an undefeated Georgia or Tennessee, we'll come down to it, and then potentially the loser of that one loss could be that last team in potentially. Or, you know, what if you have an undefeated TCU, seven right now? They can go undefeated, win the Big 12, and then they might have an argument for that fourth spot over a one-loss SEC team. So you could have the Big 10 winner, which I will be, think will be Ohio State. Then you're going to have the SEC winner, whether that's an undefeated Georgia, Tennessee, or one loss Alabama. And you can have undefeated ACC champ Clemson. And then at fourth spot, we either go to that one loss SEC team, which would be Georgia or Tennessee in the scenario that Alabama wins. And if not, then it could still be the one loss Georgia or Tennessee team. Or that undefeated TCU, Big 12 championship team. Again, Oregon 8 and Southern Cal 9, they both have one loss. They're both in the Pac 12. But I don't see either one of them, even with the Pac-12 championship at one loss making it, unfortunately. I don't think they have enough juice over TCU or a one-loss SEC team like Georgia or Tennessee. Um, props real quick. I just want to give a shout-out, and hopefully to many more. The first time being ranked in the college football playoff poll, we have Illinois, the Fighting Illini, at 16th. Tulane, the Green Wave, at 19. And the Oregon State Beavers, at 23. So shout out to those programs. First time ranked in college football playoffs. Again, to many more. Hope we keep kicking butt and doing well.
Alrighty, jumping from the rankings here, we have a little tidbit about James Franklin and Penn State. Since James Franklin has been at Penn State, they are 2-20 against the AP Top 10 in those matchups. I believe they're 1-10 against Top 5 opponents. Their only wins against, in 2016 I should say, against Ohio State and Wisconsin. Ohio State in that big game during the regular season, the whiteout game. They had McSorley and Saquon Barkley the same year in the Big Ten Championship. They beat Wisconsin. Excuse me. Again, that year they won the Big Ten. They got snubbed from the playoffs. I believe that was a crime that year. We'll talk about that another day. But that is only the only claim to fame James Franklin has. Has not made the playoff. He's only won the Big Ten once. And obviously no championships if you don't make the playoffs. And again, they're in it every year. They have big games. They do decent every year where they can keep competing in the Big Ten. Obviously, they're on a difficult side with Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, all those teams. But at the same time, they still are in those games where they can compete and win, and they do not seem to win them. So you got to definitely have to figure out what's going on in Happy Valley. Last but not least here, Brian Harson, the great coach at Boise State in the Mountain West Took his talents to Auburn, Alabama, and now he has been canned. You fired. He has been fired after one and a half seasons, if you even want to call it. His head coaching record at Auburn the past two seasons have been nine and twelve overall. In twenty twenty one, he was six and seven, three and five in conference, and he lost in the Birmingham Bowl. In this year, twenty twenty two, he has been three and five overall and one and four record. In conference. Last year when they were 6-7. and seven, That was the worst record Auburn's had since 2012. So it's been almost 10 years since they've had that worst of a record. Again, they almost had that big statement win against Alabama at home last year. That Bryce Young kind of willed them back and they won in overtime. But again, Auburn decided to go in a different direction. Brian Harson. Had a lot of hope, potential coming out of the Mountain West, winning a bunch of conference titles out there with Boise State. Um, again, was promised, you know, got a decent salary, but again, had that scandal recently, and obviously the coaching woes, so they decided it was time to kick you to the curb, Mr. Harson. And again, I've seen lots of rumors swirling around this job opening now. You know, one of the leading candidates is primetime Deion Sanders, as I've heard. He has also been. On the nod for other potential coaching jobs. The week before and at game day this past weekend, Reese and all the fellas asked him, hey, if the NFL comes knocking, are you going to accept it? He said, heck no, I'm not going to the NFL. They said now if a big Power 5 school calls your phone and says, we'd like to interview for this coaching job, he said he'd be a fool not to at least hear the call. And I've heard schools like Georgia Tech, Auburn, have potential interest in what prime time has done at Jackson State. Again, what Deion Sanders has done at Jackson State is honestly something, the most commendable thing ever. The man is not only teaching the kids you know, how to be great players, but more importantly, be great men in society. Tell them to sit at the front of the classroom, arrive on time, discipline, not wearing wife beaters or jewelry in class, being utmost and you know, model citizens, which I think is amazing. He's revitalized the town of Jackson, Mississippi, so a great recruiter, a great coach. You know, 8-0 this year. Shout out to Deion Sanders. And again, 
I believe today I actually heard a report that he was seen flying into the Atlanta airport. For many of you that know, maybe don't know, Atlanta, city in Georgia, Georgia Tech is located in Atlanta, the university. And Atlanta is also the biggest or the major airport closest to Auburn, Alabama. Auburn, Alabama is eastern Alabama on the Georgia border. So look at that too. You never know. Again, he could become a Yellow Jack with Georgia Tech, maybe a Tiger to Auburn, get to play Alabama Nick Saban every year. Again, I would love to see him get a Power 5 coaching opportunity with the recruiting and the coaching that he can do, but I also love what he's done in Jackson, Mississippi. I would hate to see him leave Jackson State, but I know his growth and potential is the moon, so I'd love to see him eventually get that job, whether it's this year after the season, next year, down the road, whatever it may be. But just want to shout out Prime Tom there and all he's done at Jackson State. And I guess we'll see going forward what the dealio is, as they say. Last but not least, jumping into the games of the week here. Run over some of my picks real quick from last week. Again, the past couple weeks I was 50, 50%, 3-6, 3-6. Last week I was hot, 100%. Picked Ohio State over Penn State. That was a go. Kansas State over Oklahoma State. They whooped them. I picked the Dogs over the Gators. That was a dub. I picked Michigan over Michigan State. That was a dub. Picked Tennessee over Kentucky. Easy dub there. And last but not least, I picked Jackson State over Southern, and they absolutely whooped them. So hopefully this week, keeping up, you know, the great record, the great percentages. Let's try to get another 100% this week. So my games, tune into. First one, top three matchup, Tennessee, the Volunteers, on the road, 8-0, going to Athens, Georgia. Take on the Dogs, undefeated, 8-0. 8-0 against 8-0, the one versus the three. Game will be in Athens between the hedges. Boom in Sanford Stadium. This is the third time that College Game Day will be at a Tennessee game. They were for in in Knoxville for Tennessee, Florida, in Knoxville for Alabama, Tennessee. Two wins for the Volunteers there, and now they will be in Athens for the Tennessee Georgia game. That game is three thirty on CBS. Again, this is a tough one. Georgia just lost Nolan Smith. The best defensive player, in my opinion, leader of that team, leader of the defense. Again, it is a home game for them, though. So that's a better, didn't look so good the last game. Forced some passes, got some key turnovers, Florida did. Tennessee is a team of destiny this year. The best offenses in the country. Hedden Hooker is the Heisman favorite right now. But I am taking the dogs here, unfortunately. Even though it hurts me to say it, I'm taking the dogs here at home. I think that will be the difference and I think they win this game. I think it'll be pretty close, but I think Georgia still wins by at least 10. Next, we have the Liberty Flames, 7-1. and one. They will be traveling to Fayetteville, Arkansas. Woo, Pig Suey. Take on the Hogs. 5-3 and three is Arkansas. That game is 4 p.m. Eastern Time on SEC Network or DirecTV 611. Hugh Freeze, another trip back to the SEC last year. Faced his former team, Ole Miss. Lost that game. Now he gets another chance, an SEC opponent on the road. Arkansas kind of lived up to with the potential. Again, K.J. Jefferson's a great quarterback. Reminds me of a little Cam Newton. They are home, but I'm taking the Flames of Liberty. Hugh Freeze gets a nice SEC win for the Flames. Next, we got Bama LSU, the Tide, 6-1. 
excuse me, seven and one. We traveling to Death Valley in the Bayou to take on the Tigers, who are six and two. Alabama is number sixth in the country. LSU is ten. This game is seven p.m. Eastern on ESPN, DirecTV two oh six. I'm taking the Tide here. Again, they have to win out in order to keep their playoff championship hopes alive. LSU, again, after that loss to FSU at the beginning of the year, it turns around, looked good. Only other losses to Tennessee. A big win against Ole Miss last week. Like Brian Kelly says, October's for pretenders. November is for contenders. So this is the time to show up and show out. Night game in LSU. I was the game last year in Alabama. Gave us one hell of a run for our money. I think Bama wins, but I think it'll be a close one. Next, Texas, Kansas State. The Longhorns, ranked 24th in the nation at 5-3, will be traveling to Kansas. Kansas State will be home. They are 6-2. They're ranked 13th in the nation. That game is 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1 or DirecTV 219. I'm taking the Longhorns here. Again, Kansas State is home off that big win last week. But I think Texas comes in with a big statement win behind Queen of Yours. I'm going big horns up there. Next, we have Free Shoes University, FSU, the Seminoles, 5-3. Taking their talents to South Beach. No LeBron, not you. Facing the U, who are 4-4. Four four. Underwhelming year under Mario Cristobal in the 6th this year. That game is 7.30 p.m. on ABC. I'm taking the Knolls here. Big whoa, tomahawk chop. They've looked good. Again, obviously, they had the tough tough losses more recently. Kind of been a letdown after the hot start for the Seminoles, but I think they upset Miami here. Again, big rivalry, battle for the state of Florida, and then they'll play at Florida at the end of the year for the other battle of Florida. But this is a very heated rivalry, a lot of hatred in this game between the two teams. But I'm taking the Knolls here. And last but not least, with the Clemson Tigers, number fourth in the nation, ranked eight. Excuse me, number four in the nation ranked, and they are 8 0 in the year. They will be traveling to South Bend, Indiana, to take on the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. They are 5 3. That game is 7 30 p.m. on NBC. Again, in the Marcus Freeman era, Notre Dame has had some bad losses to start off the year. Lost to Marshall and Stanford, who have been atrocious this year. Have looked a little better. You know, took Ohio State very close to first game of the season. Game is in South Bend, Indiana. Clemson, again, DJ Uyangale has looked very shaky for Clemson recently. Again, they got through their tough part of the schedule after this game. It's smooth sailing for the Tigers to the ACC championship game. Look for Cade Klubnick to come in if DJ struggles. I'm taking the Tigers here, and I think they, you know, I don't think they whoop Notre Dame. I think it'll be close, but I think after this game, they just cruise to the ACC championship in the playoff picture. But Notre Dame has definitely looked a little better so far. But I'm still taking the Tigers. So I'm taking the Dogs over Tennessee. I'm taking Liberty over Arkansas. I'm taking Bama over LSU. Texas over Kansas State. Free Shoes, FSU against Miami. And Clemson over Notre Dame. Those are my picks. We shall see what happens. As always, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. As always, I appreciate you, whether you're an avid fan, coming back week after week, or you're new to this program. Again, this is just a great community, a great family. We get to talk about you know something I love, college football and college experiences from different friends of mine, You know, different, different views, different colleges, where you went to school, 
what were some of the things you did there, the culture, the environment, your different takes from different people, just for newses and scores and just information I love talking about. Going forward, again, I'm looking to change my logo or my podcast picture with Snakeus. Look for that on the horizon to get a little personalized. Also, think I've tested it out with Snakeus as well with some of my audio. You know, when I have my college doing college football sections or segments, I should say, I normally have the person sit down with me. I have my mic set up and we chat. But going forward, some of the people who aren't as close to me, I don't have access to sit down with them as often. I think I'm going to try working phone calls. I test the audio a little bit. It sounds pretty good. If you think about it, it's a microphone from a phone going into a microphone going into a computer. So I want to make sure that sounds crisp and clear for everyone. I don't want it to be too staticky or too annoying to listen to as well. I'll be going to Clemson to visit Snakers in a couple weeks, two weeks when they play to you. And I'm thinking about going around my phone, just interviewing some Clemson students, some Clemson fans about how they've looked so far this year, some aspirations, how they think they're going to do moving forward, the potential playoff push in a natty hope. You know, we'll see. Um, I'm trying to take that audio and incorporate it into an episode as well. So a lot of stuff potentially in the future, you know, next couple weeks. Like Brian Kelly said, this is the crunch time of the season. October's for pretenders, November's for contenders. So this is the time, and I'm excited about all the stuff we have in the future and coming along soon. So as always, thanks everyone for tuning in. Everyone be safe, stay healthy, and um, looking forward to catching on the flippity flip next week. And as always, peace.